Hi, I'm Stephen and I'm starting a new journey to find out if I can make my fortune on the internet. Along the way, I'll be sharing all the things that work and all the things that don't. Join me as I self-solve my way to financial freedom. Hey, hey, the little intro stinger is back. So, um, is this too loud? No? Fine. Sorry, I just thought my mic might have been a bit loud there. Yeah, so, uh, so I've been battering on about my little intro stinger logo, um, intro music and stuff, and how it's been missing, absent. So, uh, thinking about updating it. <laughs> I probably never will, but uh, but that's the original one there that, that I'd, I'd made just when I first created this little podcast, uh, and I like it actually, I like that music, it's an ACDC type music, uh, it's quite lively and it's good, so um, so basically, you know, this, this whole podcast has been going through a bit of a shift, um, and just yesterday I mentioned that we might talk about the self Okay, so I said in the next episode, which is this one right now, uh, we will talk about the self. So we may be going deep. Guys, get ready. Brace yourselves. So the self, okay. Um, but it made me think about the title of the the podcast. And I, I didn't put a lot of thought into the title of this. It's called The Self Solver. And that was basically just a phrase that I heard. Uh, something I was listening to. And, and that little phrase just popped out to me. It wasn't something that I invented, come up with myself. And I know it should probably be hyphenated, but I didn't want to hyphen. I didn't want to hyphenate it for the sake of the URL. Um, you know, <laughs> so I just kept it the self solver one word. And actually, it's it's potentially a wee bit more profound than I first realised, because it's solving the riddle of the self. <laughs> How's that for deep? So self-solver, the phrase means, you know, just get on with it. You know, life's a big mystery. Um, and actually venturing into the unknown is where the excitement is. Uh, it's where freedom is. Um, you know, don't think that you need to know everything to go out there and and, uh, and, 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 and do something special and, and, and you know, f- f- find abundance and of health, wealth, relationships and all that kind of stuff. You don't need to have all the answers. Go and figure it out. You know, self-solve your way to success. Now, but as I say, we can also look at that from this other angle of solving the riddle of the self. Wow, it's big. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to give you my interpretation. And by the way, this is completely unscripted as usual. I don't really know what I'm going to say until I say it. So really, I'm acting in an intuitive sense here. I've got something that I want to say, but how I'm going to express that will will just happen. Um, so so this is my definition of the self. Right, I'll tell you a story. When I was, a number of years ago, I, I lost my sister. Um, she was 45, which is the age I am right now, which is bizarre because I feel like a young man. And actually, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll blow my own trumpet here. I don't look 45, um, and people people often say that. They're actually quite shocked because 
it's not me. It's it's, it's genetics in the family, and yeah, I mean, I, I do exercise and, and take care of myself and eat fairly well, so that's got a lot to do with it. But I've got to say, most of it is down to genetics because my parents are in their eighties and they don't look like you know eighty something year olds, and and they're still going strong and. You know, all my family. Oh, you know, it's just it's just a genetic thing. None of my family members look their age, uh, so I don't look that age. I think that's got a lot to do with how you feel as well. If you don't look, you know, forty five, then if you if you look like a thirty five year old, then you kind of kind of helps you feel like a thirty five year old, if that makes sense. So I, I just look at my my life right now. I've got my two kids, two girls, and we're just, we're, we're just starting new journeys right now. The most recent thing we've been doing is climbing. I've always been a climber, but. It's only just now my, my daughters have actually developed the bug for it, which is amazing because we can all climb together and it's great. So we're embarking on new things and I can see many, many years into the future doing that, doing uh, multi-pitch routes in the mountains and stuff. Right now we're just doing sort of indoor climbing. But, you know, and there's just so much to play for. There's so much in the future. And I think this is the age that my sister passed away. She passed on to the another realm you know, um, and it, and it's young. That is young, forty-five. You know, back in the nineteen hundreds, maybe in nineteen hundred, actually. Uh, you know, if you were a farmer back then, forty-five would have been a good age. You know, but nowadays, it's young. You know, people are living quite regularly to over a hundred years old now. So, yeah. So that's the point. You know. It, kind of hits you quite hard when you think about it that way but um, she died of breast cancer and we were visiting in the hosp hospital in the latter stages of that and she was you know she wasn't doing well she couldn't speak Mary was a very vocal person very open easy to talk to very communicative she loved nothing more than to have a, a conversation she could talk for hours oh my god really and she loved it and she was great and she was great to talk to actually because what Mary was the kind of person who could see the real you you know she gave you that feeling um there wasn't there wasn't a lot of heart ego coming into the conversation which which automatically sort of gave you permission to drop your own ego and really just get into a, you know a heart to heart she loved that so for her not to be able to speak oh it was so difficult you know and it was it, that's not the way I remember her, incidentally, in those latter stages. I could still see the real Mary in there, even though she couldn't speak. I knew who she was. I knew what she she wanted to communicate in that way, and I could see the frustration. But it's not. that's not the way I remember her in those late stages. I remember her in her, in her prime, you know, on the phone for... My phone used to run out of batteries regularly, speaking to Mary, late at night. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but anyway, and by the way, I wasn't the only one she did that with. Everybody, I don't know how she had the energy. She, she, she was having conversations all over the place all the time. She's an amazing person. But the funny thing is, the last time I saw her, you know, she was going downhill and we knew that, we knew that, it, you know, she was going to pass on imminently. And so you knew that if you left the hospital at that point in time, there was always a chance that, you know, that would be the last time you would see her alive. Um, and that was the case one day, obviously, you know, I did leave the hospital and and she did have people there with her, you know, my mum was there 
uh, Lloyd, her son was there um, with her as she died, but I wasn't there. And uh, and I got word, and I wanted to go. I just felt compelled to get back over to the hospital, even though I knew she'd passed away. And I wanted to see her. And when I got there, the last time I was there, the whole family was there. But when I got there, they'd all gone. So it was just me, and and I approached the the nurses, and I said, "Listen, I just wanted to see my sister." You know, and she'd been dead for a couple of hours by that time, and um, maybe a few hours actually. I don't know, can't remember exactly. But the nurses seemed a bit, you know, well, you know, she's been prepared at the moment. I can't remember the terminology they used, but they were actually just obviously preparing her for her to be moved to the funeral directors or whatever they do. I don't understand the process, but they looked to be a bit worried. You know that. Maybe I wasn't quite ready for what I was about to walk into. And sure enough, I went into the room with my wife, Claire, and and Mary was there. Well, I say Mary was there. Mary's body was there. And she did look very different. Um, she didn't look herself at all. And it, it struck me that... In, there was no connection for me to be had there by seeing Mary's... I'd seen it. Maybe it was a good thing because it just confirmed to me that she was gone. Maybe in that in itself was a good thing for me, but I thought it was going to be more of a saying goodbye type thing, but it wasn't that. I'd already said goodbye. This was more of a confirmation for me, even though I didn't realise that's what it was going to be. But the point is, she was gone. She was gone. Now, her body was still there. It was still Mary's body, bones and blood and organs and her hair. And everything was, well, obviously she'd been going through chemo, there wasn't a lot of that. But she was, the, that was Mary. I was I was speaking to her just a few hours before, albeit she was struggling to communicate, but I was there with her, holding her hand, and I could feel the life in her body, and now it was gone. The real Mary was gone. And you know, I don't know if I'm expressing this very well, but that wasn't my sister in that hospital anymore. That was not Mary. That was a body. And it seems quite macabre to talk about it that way. Yeah, I get that. It's, you know, maybe this isn't a pleasant story. It's not meant to be. It's not meant to be macabre either, but it just is what it is. Um, but, you know, she was gone. So what is that that, go that goes? What is that thing that leaves? So the shell is there. The biological machine that Mary occupied is still there. It's in front of me, I can see it, but it's not her. So what's left? What has what has departed? What is different? And that's the question of the self. That's how best I can describe it. The essence of who Mary was was no longer there in that body. She'd left. Call it the soul. Call it the spirit. Call it the personality. Whatever you want to call it was gone. And that's the self. Now... I'm not going to go into the realms of where did she go and, um, you know, is she still around somewhere? And you know, I've got I've got my own thoughts and beliefs around what happens after we depart the body, but I'm not going to talk about that. What I want to talk about is the self. So that helps me explain that the self is not the body. It's not. It's not even your. It's not even your personality. I know I said that. Some people might describe it that way, but it's not because your personality is a. It's something that you've constructed. You know, you make decisions about yourself. You you say right, I'm good at maths. 
So that becomes your reality. You become the type of person who's interested in, who's good at maths. Um, or you might say, I am absolutely terrible at maths. And that will become your reality. The difference is what you choose to label yourself as. Yeah. So you've you've created this little character. So I've got this little character that I've created called Stephen. And, and and Stephen, I've put all these little labels on him. Stephen's quite a musical guy. Uh, he likes climbing. Um, you know, and, and various different traits and labels that I will attach to that little character that I've constructed. So it's a bit like writing a little story of your life. So it's like coming up with some ideas and saying, right, I'm going to create this little character and this is the kind of person that character is going to be and so on and so forth. But then the mistake that a lot of people make is they start to believe the story, the fictional story that they've just written. <laughs> they start to believe it. So you create a label for yourself, I'm good at maths. So you start to believe that you're good at maths. And therefore that becomes your reality. You, in reality, then become good at maths. Okay. Um, or uh, uh, the opposite is true, of course. But we start to believe these stories that we write, but not realising that at any moment you can change the story. You can edit it. You can change the character. You can create a twist. You can say, oh, actually, this character is good at maths. Previously, we thought they weren't good at maths, but actually now we know that they are good at maths. You know, that sort of thing. So that I've been talking for 13 and a half minutes. Well, including the intro. Wow, that's that's went on a wee bit longer than I had realised. So I've lost myself in this a wee bit, but... The self is, uh, you are, th this little character you create, you observe the character, but the self is not the observed, the self is the observer. Something behind this construct that we call Stephen or Julie or Peter or whoever, whatever your name is, um... Well, that'll be freaky if there's a Julie listening to this right now, wouldn't it? That that's going to freak you right out. Uh, it was just a complete and utter random uh, name that I chose. So, yeah, I mean, or maybe it wasn't, but yeah. So, so you've created this uh, this little character, and you observe that character. But who is the observer? When you think about it, right? If we are on this planet, and let's say. You you you're lying on the grass on a sort of nice sunny day, and there's just a few clouds in the sky and things like that. Well, you're not the earth, you're not the clouds, you are the sky. You're up there somewhere looking down on all. Oh, I've got I've gone too deep. I've gone too abstract there. I think um, yeah, because I've got no way of sort of describing what I mean by all of that. But basically, the self is something bigger. It's something different. You know, and you've got to realise the message here, really, I think, that we've got to get from that is that you're in control. You can change your story at any time. Literally. You have command over that. And and people forget that about themselves. That, that all the little thoughts and habits that they're having, they've actually created them themselves. And if you created them, then you can recreate them. You can change them. Um, so it's important to understand what the self is. It's not your body. It's not your mind. 
It's not your spirit. It's probably a combination of all three, the mind, body and the spirit. All three things come together, um, you know, and, and any of these components in isolation don't really tell the full story. But that's the way most of us live. We see ourselves as this person with a name, with certain qualifications, a job. Uh, maybe you follow a certain football team and that becomes part of your persona. So I'm, uh, you know, Stephen, and I like rugby. You know, I'm, I'm a rugby fan. I support Scotland and the rugby, you know, and, and you start to just label yourself. I'm a, I'm a Scottish rugby supporter. I'm, a, I'm part of the Tartan army or whatever it is. But that's not you. These are just little labels that you're attaching to this little character that you've created. You are the person who's creating the labels. You're making the decisions in the background about who you are. Now, that's an amazing thing to understand. And hopefully, some of what I've said there makes sense. I can pretty much rest assured, I think, that some of it doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> it does to me. But hopefully, there's something there in what I've said that's maybe made you think, sparked something that's made you realise or helped you to realise what you already knew is that there's something more than just this character that you've created, uh, you know, this physical persona. Um, and that's really powerful because if you created it, then you can recreate it. And that's really important, especially if you want to create abundance in your life, which is, you know, essentially what the podcast is about. It's about making my fortune on the internet, right? It's just a way, it's just an easy way of understanding what it is I'm trying to do because at the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is I'm creating abundance in my life and it isn't just, it isn't just money. In fact, it's not about money at all. Uh, I'm no saint. I want money. I like Zig Ziglar's quote on that. It's, um, you know, money's not everything but it does rank right up there with oxygen. <laughs> so, let's be honest. None of us would refuse a bit extra, would we? Even if we were going to give it away, even if we were going to give it to charity, if someone said, listen, there's a million quid, you would take it. Anyone would. Um, so there's nothing to be ashamed about there. But when I say it's not, this isn't just about money, I genuinely mean that it's not just about money because I'm not interested in money in and of itself. I'm interested in the things that having an excess of money allows me to do. You know, you can really help people if you've got an excess of money. You can get, you could help your family and friends, or you could travel to exotic places that you can't do without money, or it's difficult to do without money. Um, you, you know, it's just it, it, it just opens up doors, you know, and it's kind of life energy. That's the way I see money. You know, uh, if you've got lots of money, then that says something about you as a person. It means you have delivered value in some way, and it's allowed you to um, accumulate wealth, which is what I'm interested in. I want to accumulate wealth of experience, wealth of relationships, wealth of health, wealth of um, giving. You know, I want to be able to give generously as well. So that's what this is all about. And do you know what? If this is the direction the podcast is going in, it might be for you, it might not be. But hopefully um, this will reach the right people. And you will understand that you are completely in control of your entire destiny if you just understand the concept of the self. So hopefully I've given you some sort of a start on that road. 
or maybe you think I'm talking absolute nonsense, or maybe you're further down the road of understanding this than I am, who knows? But if if you take something from this and go on and investigate further, then I'll be happy. I've done my job. Uh, and with that, guys, I'm going to leave you. That's the end of the, the podcast for now. I'm not saying it's going to be the end of that subject. I think we're going to investigate that um, extensively over the the months and years I intend to run this thing. And let's see where it goes. It's exciting. We're venturing into the unknown and I don't know where it's going to end up. But uh, anyway, until the next podcast, take it easy, take care, and I'll speak to you guys soon. Hey guys, hope you're well. It's been a long time. I've been uh, I've been laid up for a while. You know, I've been uh, I haven't recorded a podcast in ages, uh, literally. I mean, yeah, it's been a while. So, uh, so this is just a, an update. Um, tell you where the podcast is going to go henceforth. Yes, it is it starting up again? For all you people out there who've had withdrawal symptoms, if there is anyone. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm going to tell you where I've been um, for this last while, and let's start with that. Actually, let's just let's just get going, right? So, basically, um, we all know what coronavirus and COVID nineteen is. Of course, everyone in the world knows what that thing is, and uh, you know, part of what I do is I have a brick and mortar business, a family business, family pharmacy. So, when uh, the coronavirus hit and there was word that we might be going into lockdown in the UK. Um, prescriptions went through the roof. Everyone wanted their medications. Doctor surgeries thought, you know, we better you know, get bulk medication out to those people who might not be able to get their prescription during lockdown, etc, etc. You know, because no one really knew how severe the lockdown was going to be, what businesses would be allowed to operate, what organisations would be. So anyway, long story short, we have never been busier. I mean, it was just pandemonium um, in the pharmacy. So I was there, obviously, all hands on deck. And um, I ended up getting sick because there was lots of people in and out. Uh, There's people coming in and out with COVID initially. It was just, it was chaos. We protected our staff um, to the nth degree. Um, You know, all the protective equipment. Uh, which we bankrolled ourselves, you know, we went and bought it all in, we didn't wait for any government handouts or anything like that, you know, because if our staff are sick, then there's no business, and if there's no business, then the community doesn't get their much-needed medication, and uh, that's just not good, that's no good for anyone, so, uh, yeah, anyway, right, I digress a wee bit there, but basically, uh, probably the least protected person was me <laughs> because I had to go out um, and start controlling entry, you know, because we were just getting queues and queues of people lining up outside. And um, I actually had to just start letting four people in at a time, make sure people were social distancing. You know, back, you know, at that point in time, people are much more used to it now. But back then, people were, it was just a free for all. It was just a free for all. So, you know, I was standing there on the front line, as it were, um, and I, I did have a mask on and everything, but I had a little cut on my finger. 
And although I was wearing protective gloves and everything, trying to be very, very careful, something got into that cut. Um, yeah, and and and, and a, a slight infection, or actually more of an inflammation, started in that cut, and it ended up ravaging my entire body. Um, and although it wasn't ever diagnosed, it seems now that it was linked to COVID. Um, I've never been so ill in my life. I was ill for about twelve days. Um, you know, I, I was I was in bed. I think for about ten days um, before you know. You know, the doctor finally said, "No, you're going to have to go to hospital." So I'd, I'd seen the hospital about a week before I went to hospital. Maybe five days actually. Actually, it was four days. Beg your pardon. Before I ended up in hospital, I went to see the doctor on a Tuesday. Uh, and I was in bad shape and he could see that. He gave me some medication. He saw me again on the Friday to see if there was any improvement. There wasn't. I went the opposite way. Doctor looked very concerned when he saw me on the Friday and just said, listen, straight to hospital. Where I went and sat on a COVID ward for five and a half hours um, before being uh, admitted to hospital. And thankfully, I went down the green route, which was the non-COVID route in the hospital, but you know, the only test that I got was a chest x-ray at that point in time, just to see if there was any spores in my lungs, but what I had been doing when I started getting sick initially was I'd been using antibacterial mouthwash and stuff, gargling to try and stop, because I'd heard that that could stop the virus going down into the lungs, now I think I may have done that, um, because if it was COVID, and as I say, it's never been properly diagnosed, then I think it may have manifested in another way, and it ended up Anyway, that I had uh, a viral infection um, of sorts. My joints were swollen. You know, all my major joints, elbows, knees, wrists, my hands were up like balloons. In fact, my whole uh, forearm was huge. Uh, in fact, even my biceps, when I think about it now, my, my, my arms completely swole up, my legs swole up, my forehead swole up, you know, just my glands, you know... Oh, I was I was in bad shape. I was covered in what looked like um, a bit like chicken pox rash that was on my back and in various places. But I had a different sort of rash on my arms and a different sort of rash here and there. It was just it was it was as if I had every vile infection known to man, and the doctors couldn't figure it out. Um, but yeah, when I went in the hospital, it took them about four days just to slow the thing down. I was very dehydrated when I got to hospital as well, but they gave me a treatment um, known as Domestos, that's what we call it here, uh, where they just pump your body full of everything, fluids, antivirals, antibacterials, sorry, antibiotics, antivirals, uh, intravenously. And that seemed to do the trick after a few days. Um, and then after six days, I got out. And I thought, this is great. I'm out. I've I've beat it. Fantastic. I'm all better now. A couple of days at home and I'll be right as rain. I didn't realise the recovery process uh, was going to take three months or thereabouts. Um, and it, it, honestly, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. But thankfully, I'm back. Um, I'm back doing my thing. You know, um, I... I'm back exercising, uh, rediscovered a love for biking, trail biking. Um, very lucky living in a, a place where, you know, I can uh, leave my house and, and I can be in 
and a, a really nice wooded trail uh, without crossing any roads or anything, you know, just within seconds I'm off and, uh, and I've been doing a lot of that, uh, which has really got me back on my feet, doing a little bit of uh, uh, lifting weights and stuff like that as well, you know, but yeah, getting there, really getting there physically, but the other thing was mentally, it was really difficult to get back into what I'd been doing. I'd, you know, I'd been building so many things online. I'd build, I'd built a big training platform. I had, uh, you know, quite a few people subscribing to that platform. Um, it was very much in its infancy. It needed a lot of updates. Um, but I actually ended up having to shut it down because I just, I couldn't run it. I couldn't run the thing, and I didn't think it was fair to the subscribers uh, because there was a couple of issues here and there that had to be tweaked, and I just, I couldn't even. It, I'd actually announced that I was going to shut the thing off. I gave a, a month's notice and it actually took me two months just to get around to closing the thing down and cancelling all the subscriptions. So it was, um, I was finding it very, very difficult to get into anything that was do, that involved brain power in any way. So that was bizarre. Um, and, uh, and of course, you know, it wasn't really my concern so much at the time. I was... I was concerned for my wife, my kids. I hadn't seen much of them. I didn't want my kids to come anywhere near me. I didn't want them to catch anything. My wife, I'd asked her to stay back, but she wouldn't listen, thank God. Um, she put herself in harm's way to come and basically nurse me back to health right from the get-go. Um, you know, it was pretty serious. I, I probably wouldn't have been here if it hadn't been for my wife. Um, and I mean that, I'm not exaggerating. I, I got the last rites in hospital and everything. <laughs> so it was uh, it was quite severe. Um, certainly, as I say, the most ill I've ever been in my life, that's for sure. Uh, but there is a point to this. I have to stress upon, you know, just how, how, um, how affected I was by it. Because... I couldn't, I just couldn't get back to, you know, doing things like the podcast, you know, maintaining the, the, the membership, the training platform that I had produced and uh, all that. So I just couldn't get back to it. Um, So I thought I really need, I mean, I couldn't even read a book. But I thought I really need to do something that interests me, you know. Um, I'd always, always been interested in NLP because... Got a few friends who are master practitioners. Spent a lot of time actually with a friend of mine, who's a master practitioner, and picked up a lot from him by osmosis. You know, so I already knew a lot about NLP. You know, surface surface knowledge. You know, not really understanding the depths of it, but a lot of the terminology and maybe a couple of little techniques. Um, but anyway, long story short, of course, as Facebook tends to do, a course popped up for NLP. Uh, it was really good. Like the look of it, it was inexpensive, and I thought I'm going to do that because, as much as anything else, it's a way to get myself, you know, back into doing something. So I did it. It was a six week course. Did that, um, and as these courses tend to do, they upsell you towards the end, and I was happily upsold on a practitioner course. So I did that following the, the six-week course. Um, and yeah, I'm newly qualified now as a, an NLP practitioner. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's always been a passion of mine to be 
uh, well, to actually coach. You know, I've never I've never actually set up a practice as a coach, but I do have other qualifications and I use it in business. Um, use it with myself, even use it with uh, my family when they're willing. <laughs> but NLP, um, that has just been absolutely staggering in terms of the results that I'm getting with it. And it's so quick. I mean, it's unbelievably quick um, to do as well when you know what you're doing. So uh, long story short, I've qualified as a practitioner and I am taking it to the next level. I've started a journey now, which I'm really, really passionate about. Um, And it also really helps with the other things that I'm now starting to do again. You know, so I'm, I'm back online um, I've just built a new sales funnel with a membership program, just refreshing my memory. I, absolutely fantastic content. In fact, you can check it out at reset vit- uh, resetvitality.com. Um, yeah, and I think there's just a little holding page there and there's a link to the first product that I've put on there. So that's a newly formed company, resetvitality.com. And what I'm going to be doing on there is helping people um, with their mind and body. So, you know, one of the things that I understood as well when I was sick, more than ever, you know, experience is always, always better than reading something in a book, isn't it? Or or hearing someone else's account. And my experience was, you know, I've been doing quite a bit of meditation and stuff before I got ill, but I found that I could not, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't meditate. I couldn't concentrate. And I think because my body was so ill and it probably would have been the best time to meditate. But I think because my body was so ill, all my resources were going towards, you know, uh, getting my body back. Um, so it's amazing, you know, that if the body's not well, it's difficult to, you know, do things like meditate. So the, the, I learned from that that the, the mind and you know the mind and body connection. If your body is not uh, in good shape, then it affects your mind. And if your mind's not in good shape, well, clearly that affects your body as well. You know, if you you could be really fit but stressed, um, you know, your body could be really suffering as a result. So the mind and body connection became really, really clear throughout that that period, and hence Reset Vitality was born. So what the company is doing, it's my, myself and my wife. We're, we're both uh, we're doing it together. Um, is we're going to be helping people with getting the body into shape and getting their mind into shape and in some cases both because obviously there's a big overlap there um yeah and and it depends if you want to get your body to shape it might be a mindset thing um and if you might you know if you want to get your your mind into shape it might be you know you need to change your eating habits or something you know so so basically the concept why is it called reset vitality well the reason being is um we're all okay by default, right? So our default program, if you like, um, when we're children is that we're okay. You know, so for example, when you're a kid, and I know this isn't the case, there are some kids out there um, who have very difficult upbringing. So I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm, obviously I can't generalise across the board, but for most people, there's a point in your life where, you know, when you're a kid and you can just you can play in the corner for example um you, you know playing it i don't know cops and robbers or 
or whatever game you're playing and you just play out loud and you, you you know you've got no shame you're not embarrassed to be talking to yourself and and you're in your own little world but as you get older you become very self-conscious don't you when you hit sort of your teens you wouldn't dare do that you don't want to stand out and you get all weirded out by everything and everything's cringy and stuff you know so and as you get older you do you develop certain neurosis and you know I always said to my to my kids um, and to anyone who listens to me really that um, you know some people if you're talking to yourself some people think you're mad but I think you're mad if you're not talking to yourself you know um, because you do that as a kid anyway the point is when you're a kid you're free you know in terms of things like that and you're free in terms of um, uh, you know worry as well and again yeah I know some kids I've got a difficult uh, environment to grow up in and they do worry, but, you know, uh, as I say, you know, most people, when you're a kid, you're not worrying about bills and stuff. You know, that's for mum and dad to think about or um, or whoever is whoever is raising you. It's their, um, it's their responsibility to, to look after things like that. You don't, you, don't even, you don't even have a concept of it, let alone have to worry about things like that, right? So... Anyway, the default program, we all have it. We're all born okay. It's only when we enter this world and, and the the environment, the stimulus that we find or the stimuli that we find in this thing we call the world um, is when we start to get sort of pulled out of shape. Yeah, we get pulled out of shape. So, but, but you know, that default program that's in there always stays with us, always. It's always there somewhere. It's it's our default setting. Think of it like a a, a phone, like a smartphone, right? It, that you've had for a few years, and it's got some bumps and scrapes on it, and it's probably got lots of useless apps on it that you never really look at, and maybe it's got some silly games and things that distract you and clog the phone up. Too many videos, too many useless blurred pictures, and what have you. You know. You can actually take that phone and do a factory reset on the phone. And what you'll find is, okay, it might still have a few bumps and scratches like we all do <laughs> as we get older, but the the actual program, the actual software will go back to as good as new. As good as it was the day that you got that phone, it will work like a dream. Just delete all the stuff off of it and just reset it back to factory reset and, uh, you know, provided you haven't dropped it too much and the hardware's okay, of course, that phone will go back to working as well as it did um, day one, okay? So that's the that's the concept of reset vitality. We want to factory reset your mind. We want to factory reset your body because if you go, go back to doing healthy things with your mind, with your body... You know these. You know your body and mind will respond. It, it will. It loves it. It can repair itself. It can reset. So that's it. And and with that reset, you'll discover an inner vitality. You know an energy um, inside that's always there. We just have to unlock it. Um, in fact, it's not even a case of unlocking it. We just have to remove the other things that are blocking it. The other things that pull us out of shape. So. That's the whole concept of Reset Vitality. Very excited about it. Um, this podcast is the self-solver, so I'm going to talk to you about um, the journey of, of creating that business. We wee bit of catch-up to do because I have done a bit of work on it. Um, but the journey of creating that business and taking it online, 
Um, but also, I've realised that the title of this podcast is quite profound for me uh, because the self-solver can mean initially what it meant was if you come up against a, you know, a roadblock with your journey in building a business, for example, um, then solve it yourself. You know, there's lots of resources there. Don't don't wait around. Don't wait for someone to come and uh, help you out. You know, by all means, if you've got help, take it. But you know, get on to Google and just Google it. You know, figure it out yourself. Just be a self solver. Don't wait around. Just keep keep pushing forward um, and p- push through your obstacles. But it means something else to me now. It means solving the riddle of self, right? So, in terms of self, in terms of you you know, who you are inside, you know. And that this is another thing that NLP has really brought to the fore. As I say, you know, I've done a bit of meditation. I would consider myself to be quite a spiritual person, you know, fairly spiritual, I would say. I love meditating. I think it's so healthy and so energising. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, we've got this inner self. Call it the subconscious, call it your soul, call it what you will. Um, but it kind of works against you sometimes, um, and it doesn't mean to. You know, you, let's call it the subconscious, for example. It's always got a positive intention for you, um, but sometimes you can have outdated programs um, that that aren't really serving you anymore. You know. Um, so yeah, listen, I, I don't want to go into too deep. We're going to be talking about this in subsequent podcasts. So we're going to be talking about the mind, the mindset of building a business, not just the practical things um, of, you know, building a sales funnel or getting traffic. Yeah, we will talk about that stuff. I'm going to share my journey. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and, um, I'm basically just going to document the journey. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I'm learning as I go along. Um, but it also is, it's going to include um, getting the body in shape. It's going to include... Uh, getting the mind in shape and getting your getting your finances in shape as well. You know, getting your wealth. So, um, in fact, there you go. There's three core markets out there. We've got health, we've got wealth, and we've got relationships. And that's probably going to be what this podcast is about. All those things. <laughs> so, guys, listen, it's good to be back. Uh, I hope you missed me. But listen, if you liked the podcasts that we've done so far, sit tight because they're going to get a whole lot better um, and I'm going to be posting several a week, that's the plan. So yeah, okay, listen, brilliant, I hope you're all doing well and I'll speak to you all again soon.